0: Hello and welcome again to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. Today we have an author, Jim Bond, and his book, the book is How Selling Becomes Much Easier by Making Your Ideas Sticky. Brain glue. Did I get it all? Yes, you did. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, John. Well, good, yeah. Good, we're ready now. You've been introduced and, and I bet you have a, a lot to do this many times, I guess. Once upon <laughs> a time, you decided you want to taste, take this book is that how you did it sure
1: well i've run i'm considered one of america's leading behavioral management specialists and for 13 years i ran a behavioral management firm in southern california But i'm originally from montreal and in montreal i ran an advertising agency and we won major clients some of the world's biggest clients Kraft foods timex avon abbott laboratories seagram's our oh. world headquarters is there and I'm a pretty logical person. And so because of the clients we won, um, we had an opportunity to win the anti-drug campaign in America. And so we came up with a logical, um, a, a logical presentation. And they loved it. And, but then they, we saw what we lost to, and it scared me. And it was fabulous. It was um, a guy holding an egg saying, this is your brain. And then breaking the shell and dropping the egg into a sizzling frying pan and then said this is your brain on drugs. Any questions? And it terrified me for two reasons. One, I knew it was gazillion right. times better than anything we did. Uh, it was right. a fabulous, fabulous ad. But the second one was it was emotional selling. And I realized I didn't understand emotional selling. I've come from a logic background. I have mechanical engineering and, you know, and uh, psychology and all that. But I just, for me, it was terrifying because I, you know, I started wondering, did I choose the wrong profession? You know, I'm in advertising and marketing and, you know, just even being a human being, do I not understand emotional selling? Um, and one of the things I learned is, is that there, are, you know, the major decisions that we make are triggered by the emotion side of the brain. I mean, that's why we say, you know, no like trust, okay? As part of, if we, if we buy from somebody, do we know them, like them, and trust them? well, that triggers emotion, but if you're just counting on that, then you actually have a disadvantage and I realized that uh you know this is your brain on drugs, any questions was profound, and I had sleepless nights over it and then i i I recognized that school didn't teach us emotional selling, you know it teaches us logic. I was great at math, <laughs> you know that was yeah. perfect, <laughs> but this is not about logic um and uh i so i I, I checked libraries and there was like no, you know, superficial information on emotional selling, but no real, uh, you know, no real tools on how to do emotional selling. And so I got this idea. I said, well, why don't I see if I can teach myself? I I took a box and I called it my passion box. And I, on a three by five card, I wrote your brain on drugs. So I'd remember that. And I put it in the box and I said, every time I come across something that's really profound Emotional selling, and it could be, you know, a a president saying a a phrase that really triggers everybody and they go like, wow, this is really powerful. Um, Or, you know, whatever else, a powerful quote, whatever else, every time I I would come across something that to me is emotional selling, I'll put it in my box and we'll see what happens. You know, and maybe I'll get enough of these that I'll be able to figure out how emotional selling works. By the way, I've been doing this for 35 years. I'm old, so what can I say? But only so, 35, only that's right, only 35 years, but about 10 years into it, um, after I moved to California, I um, John Gray was telling me that he wrote this book called Men, Women and Relationships. And he was really frustrated because it was absolutely a phenomenal book. And so he was he was telling me how he sold about 20,000 copies of it, which is OK, but it's not really a lot. You know, if you're spending a year putting a book together or whatever, and so he was frustrated and he was in a um a seminar he was doing to promote the book Men Women and right. Relationships and right. he said something and all the women in the audience laughed and all the men turned to the women and said and were looking at them like what are you laughing at what did he say that was so funny <laughs> And so one of the you know sort of women said you know it's almost you know men well he started explaining that There are some things that women laugh at and that men don't get. There are some things that men laugh at and women don't get. And, of course, there's things that we all laugh at. And so one of the women said, it's almost like men are from a different planet. What planet do you think men are from? And so he started laughing and he said, I guess men are from Mars. (laughs) And the whole audience laughed. So then he thought when he got (laughs) home, he thought, if men are from Mars, where are women from? I guess women are from Venus. Venus is the God of love. And then he got this crazy idea. What if I changed the title of my book from Men, Women, and Relationships to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? Okay. And he would change some of the, he'd keep the basic book, but he'd refer to it throughout the book, uh, but still keep the same basic book. Well, what do you think happened? Suddenly, almost overnight, he sold half a million books, then a million, then two million. He couldn't believe it. 10 million. He sold uh, 50 million copies of the book. He went from twenty thousand copies to fifty million copies, all because he changed the name. You know, he was telling me it was just amazing that just because he changed the name, it changed. It it just attracted so many people that suddenly he couldn't even believe how many books he was selling. By the way, if he made over a dollar a book, that's not bad. It's better than a, winning a lottery. Fifty million books. <laughs> when I got home, I had his book, uh, Men from Mars, More from Venus. I was going to put it in my passion box, and I said wait a second. You know, this is too profound. This is too powerful. I'm going to go through the passion box and see if there are things that relate to this. So I put it on my bed, you know, my bedspread. So I had a nice big space. I put the book on my bed and I started dumping all the other things. And I had a lot of things after 10 years, you know, Uh, you know, we go to a dentist office and my wife would go, I would say, oh, wow, this is a fantastic ad. My wife would say, do not tear it out of the magazine i said no no i have to i have to put in my passion box so she'd sit as far away as possible from me and go like i do not know that guy okay <laughs> and so i had a lot of things inside but and so he so men so men are from Mars, women are from venus is basically analogy or metaphor i mean we're not right. really from a different planet at least i don't think we are right okay but um although i think a lot of women think we're from a different planet but that's a whole other story that comes later and so yeah exactly but so as i started putting it down i started realizing well metaphor and analogy huh there are other things that are metaphor and analogy too i was grouping them i realized ultimately there are 14 groups okay and one of them is metaphor and analogy so i realized the television show shark tank that's not about a tank full of sharks you know i mean it might feel like it to people who are on the show but it's you know it's not if they called it the Investors Club or the Investors Group, do you think it would be as successful as Shark Tank? No, I don't no. think so. I mean, it's, there's no. something about the name Shark Tank because it's a metaphor that makes it more attractive. Right. I, was, I saw this thing on the History Channel and it was talking about uh, Rocky Road ice cream. And it was like Rocky Road ice cream, uh, Dryers ice cream started it. They actually were struggling. But when they came up with the idea of Rocky Road ice cream, it took off like crazy absolutely turned into a blockbuster of a success and so it isn't like when you open it up it's got rocks inside it no it's chocolate ice cream with nuts and marshmallows but they thought you know it would be good to call it rocky road ice cream there are three reasons the first one is because it's a good analogy or metaphor rocky road and that's part of why it took off the other thing is rocky road it's something called alliteration which is a repetition of sounds rocky road And I'm wondering, and I started researching and saying, well, what other successful products use alliteration? And then I realized, wow, Coca Cola, Best Buy, PayPal, TikTok. You think it's a coincidence that TikTok uses uh, alliteration? Yeah, no. I mean, if they call it the Chinese social media platform, you think <laughs> they would have as many people as TikTok? No. So the name is really powerful, and alliteration is one thing that's really powerful. The other thing is humor. uh, um, uh, um, Rocky Road ice cream was developed, invented uh, during the Great Depression, and the Great Depression was called a Rocky Road. People said we're on a Rocky Road. And so they thought their concept was, so if we're on a Rocky Road, we might as well have Rocky Road ice cream. And there was kind of humor to that. (laughs) So when you put those three together, suddenly people started buying the product, buying Rocky Road ice cream, and it took off like gangbusters. And mm-hmm. so I realized, wow, this is really profound stuff. But what are some of the other things that are, um, you know, that use what I call brain glue? You know, brain glue is that sticks to the brain like glue. And I recognize that the O.J. Simpson's trial, okay? O.J. Simpson was uh, up for a murder trial. He was in a murder trial for his wife and his wife's boyfriend or whatever he was, okay?
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, there was lots of evidence against him, a ton of evidence against him. But there was this glove. You know and the glove you know uh oj simpson pretended the glove didn't fit while his attorney uh johnny cochran said if the glove don't fit you must acquit okay and i remember after the trial there was uh, a journalist interviewing two of the jurors and one of them was answering a question while the other one was nodding her head yes and the the journalist said with so much evidence against oj how come you let him off and she said Well, we knew if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. The glove didn't fit, so we had to acquit. And like, wow, you know, uh, rhyme works. I mean, rhyme is like such a powerful tool. And I remember, I'm old enough to remember, I guess I don't know if the kids have it today, but uh, Jack and Joe went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Yeah, you probably know that. I mean, we grew up with that. And yet the last time I heard it was over 60 years ago. And yet, if I'm on my deathbed and somebody said, Jack and Jill went, I'd finish the phrase, up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Because <laughs> this rhyme sticks to the brain like glue. It's amazing. That's why so many songs uh, are successful. In fact, uh, there's a song uh, from the Eagles. that's I was standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. Such a fine sight to see. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed forward, slowing down to take a look at me. Okay? It's an Eagles nice. song. Well, sure. this is something that's really funny. They were never trying to uh, turn uh, Winslow, Arizona into um, um, a tourist attraction, but it's turned into that. You know, oh, really? I have somebody who's in Arizona, I guess you are, but there's somebody in Arizona who was telling me, yeah, have you ever seen a Winslow? It's a hole in the wall. It's nothing. But what <laughs> they did was they put up a statue of this lamppost and a guy leaning on the lamppost with uh, words on the top that says standing on the corner. And this lady was telling me they also put a, a flatbed Ford in front of it so people who are tourists can take pictures of it. But people <laughs> who are driving on Route 66, they see Winslow, Arizona, they go, oh, let's check it out because of that song. It wasn't even meant to promote sure. Winslow, Arizona, but it did, that's how powerful, you know, rhyme is. And so rhyme is one of them. And then there's something called chiasmus. And chiasmus is like, we go, rhyme is A-B-A-B, and chiasmus is A-B-B-A. It's a flip, and I'll tell you how it works. So uh, winners, never, uh, winners never quit, and quitters never win, okay? Right. Um, right. When the going gets tough, the tough get going right Of course, yes there's that song um my wife hates that song uh <laughs> if you can't be with the one you love love the one you're with okay there you go she absolutely hates that song <laughs> because of uh... what it says uh-huh. um but it's like, chiasmus is really powerful and so um malcolm x uh the civil rights activist malcolm x part of why he became so famous was because he used chiasmus he said we didn't land on Plymouth Rock, the rock landed on us. Okay, and if you think about it, well, it's more powerful than if he said, well, you have no idea how hard it is being black in America and everything else. Instead, he was saying, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock, the rock landed on us. And that resonated with like millions of people. He also said, when you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's really powerful. You know, those are powerful phrases. I grew up with uh, President John F. Kennedy while he was alive before he got assassinated. And he said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That's chiasmus, it's a flip. Uh-huh. He also said, mankind must put an end to war or war will put an end to mankind. And it's power, I mean, doesn't it stick to the, you can, can you tell how it sticks to the brain? Like you, it's easy to remember these things, isn't it? Yes. And so, and then John Gray had metaphors, so we know that. And uh, so I had Jack Canfield who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. Well, there's a metaphor here. It isn't like you're getting chicken soup, you're getting a book. Yeah. but it's chicken. he told me that originally it was called chicken soup for the spirit but he said spirit didn't sound right and so s-o-u-p-s-o-u-l soup and soul sound better and that goes back to that alliteration the repetition of sounds and he said as soon as you know he wanted to come up it was it was stories basically it's stories that uh you know motivating stories chicken soup mm-hmm. for the soul and look he sold a hundred million chicken soup for the soul books and right. then 400 million of the other chicken soup for the soul chicken soup for the teenage soul chicken soup for the cancer survivor soul sure. etc yeah. 500 million books and a buck a book or more that's a that's a lot um but he was telling me um that uh you know as he was reading my book he got mad at me. And i said i'm sorry because i so you know i gave him my book and asked if you would have a chance to look at it and he said why have so many books that i look at And i started reading your book and i couldn't the damn thing down i said i'm sorry you know i mean i'm sorry but can i I use that as a quote but he said no this is like really powerful in fact he's written uh like 65 other books and he said i wish i had read your book earlier because it's teaching me these things that i used before i didn't even realize why chicken soup for the soul because the name was there was helped it become massively successful but now i understand and so that was that was really nice you know i mean he Said he's forcing all his people in his company to use the book. I'm like, thank you, you know. Yeah, uh, but it was really powerful. But it just, well, Jack, you know, when we
0: start to real go ahead. I was going to say that the Jack Canfield, he's the uh, he's the uh, gold standard on the cover of a book. Yeah, he's, oh, he's the one that, that, yeah, a lot of people absolutely. go after
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, Very because. Much, uh, He's just so famous. He was in the movie The Secret that helped him become famous as well. That, you know, but but chicken soup for the soul, I mean, it was profound. I mean, it's profound for a lot of reasons. One is he said, we want to give people motivated, motivating reasons why they should, you know, you know, why they should be motivated. And storytelling is the best way to do that. And so with Chicken Soup for the Soul, you know, that's these 101 really profound stories that really move people's minds uh, and hearts. Sure. And again, he recognizes it can't just move the mind, it's gotta move the heart. You know, you've know, you gotta use the right brain, the emotion side of the brain too. Um, comedians use it all the time. Uh, Mae West, who was uh, early in the um, entertainment industry became famous. She said uh, things like, um, um, Women like a man with a past, but they prefer a man with a present. You know, a present. <laughs> she wants a present. Um, she was just really funny. She said, "Good girls go to heaven. Bad girls go everywhere." It <laughs> was very, very unusual, but she was fun. And uh, and there were, you know, uh, George Carlin had one. George Carlin loved this. The comedian George sure. Carlin. He said he had one. He said, uh, um, "Don't sweat the petty things or pet the sweaty things." <laughs> Which Because I, I have women I say that to and they go like, ah you know, sure. <laughs> but anyway, that's fine. Um, I had um, a mom, so comedians use it. Also, I had a mom who said, so you're really good with uh, brain glue, so can you help me with my kids? And I'm like, mm, okay, like, what is she going to throw at me? But right. she said, so I have twins and I have a 14-year-old and with my twins, you know, I read a story to try to get to bed and they just want another story and another story and it's exhausting for me. So we came up with it. We said, let's come up with a poem, a rhyme. Okay, when the story's read, it's time for bed. Okay, and so she said, okay, and she sat down with her, her, her twins, and she said, she said the twins said, can you read us a story, mommy? He said, yeah, but if this, when the story's read, we go to bed. Okay, so repeat after me: when the story's read, what? We go to bed, mommy. And so she said, oh, it was great. I read the story, and then they said, oh, mommy, uh-uh, when the story's read, okay, mommy, we right and so she said so good so now can you help me with my 14 so i'm like terrified like i hope this works she said my 14 year old said um mommy why do we have to follow so many rules in life okay uh, so she said uh, how do i then. answer my son so i said okay so let's let's start with rhyme you know what rhymes with rules Fools. okay so only fools don't follow rules that's a start." But let's do something else. Let's start with let's do an analogy or a metaphor also. So we came up with one, and I sat down with her and her son, and I said, uh, "So you were asking your mom um, why do we have to follow so many rules in life, right?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Okay. Well, when you're thirsty, you could drink water out of the toilet, but why?" Well, you she water so you? she said, "Can you help me with my 14-year-old son?" And I said, "Sure. Well, you know what? Why? What happened?" He said, "Well, he's." She said, "He's 14 years old." And he asks me, why do we have to follow so many rules in life? It's a pretty tough question. <laughs> How do you answer yeah. that question? <laughs> and she said, okay, so you know, you know, brain glue, help me with that. And I said, all right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> first I thought, okay, rules, that's what he's talking about, rules. So, what's a word that rhymes with rules? I guess fools, only fools don't follow rules. So, that seems to make sense. But let's try to make it a little stronger and let's use an analogy or a metaphor also. So I sat down with her and her son, and I said to her son, so you were telling your mom, you're asking your mom, why do you have to follow so many rules in life, right? And he said, yeah. I said, well, if you're thirsty, you could drink out of the toilet, but why would you want to? Only fools don't follow rules. And he, he goes, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> first getting a 14 year old to say that anything makes sense is like almost That's impossible right. so i was like lucky on that right. <laughs> but does it really make sense or did i just trigger parts of the brain that made him feel like, like it was it made it, right. it was an answer and so the, here are two political comments that uh go along that use the same tool okay one of them is you can't hug a child with nuclear arms You know, and a lot of people go like, wow, that's like a pretty heavy comment, you know, but it doesn't really make sense. And yet it still resonates with us, you know, hug a child. So we know that's emotional and it it triggers our emotion, nuclear arms. And we tie the two together. It's like, yeah, you know, wow, it it connects, even though it doesn't make sense. Here's another one. And I'm not anti or pro gun. I don't want to get into the gun thing or anything like that. But a comedian said this, and I thought this was really a powerful tool of him using a brain glue type tool. And he said um the right to bear arms is almost as crazy as the right to arm bears (laughs) now that's crazy (laughs) as far as a a comment but i've seen people you know respond to that and go okay (laughs) you know they laugh (laughs) and it's because you're triggering the right and the the left side of the brains the left sides of the brain and so it's it to me it's fascinating seeing how you know how this works i had a construction company i was working with when i f- first started understanding how brain glue works uh-huh. a southern california construction company and there were three guys who after 10 years reached 2 million of sales that's not bad you know 2 million of sales in one year i took up to 10 million of sales and then two years later it went to 32 million of sales all because of brain glue and what we did okay Actually, it was funny that I took them from two to 10 million in sales in one year. And they razzed me. They said, hey, we're supposed to do 12 million. I said, shut up. You know, they, were, they had <laughs> so much more money than they ever imagined. They couldn't believe how much revenue was coming in and, and profit, et cetera. What I did was I, I took a whiteboard and I said, let's make a shopping list of all the different types of clients you go after, you work with, okay, you have worked with. And, you know, we made a shopping list. It took a while to get the shopping list of all the different types of clients. And then I said, Okay. Now let's we're gonna play a game. I want you to pick one type of client as if you're gonna focus just on this one type of client and nobody else. Right. And it took them a while. They said, Well, we don't wanna do that. We don't wanna turn away business not, I got it, but let's focus on just one. Let's if we're gonna focus you, so you're focusing on just one type of client, who would it be? What would it be? It took a while, but they finally came up with fire restoration for insurance companies. I didn't know what that was, but we talked it through. And it's like, yeah, right. anytime okay. an insurance company has a client whose house burned that has a fire. Then they have to go in, and the first thing they check is the frame. If the frame of the house is damaged, you got to turn on the whole house. If not, then you can, you know, you know, you can build, rebuild the house, and then just make sure it's not going to catch fire again. So they said we'd love to focus on fire restoration for insurance companies. We've done it for two different companies, and uh, we can really specialize in that, and be experts in that. So I said, okay, so now we need a brain glue tool, something you can tell them in your pitch that will resonate with them. So let's pick the word fire because the thing they're thinking of fire so let's marry it to the word fire and let's call you guys the fire extinguisher well i get the website firex.com okay but we'll call you guys the fire extinguisher so when you go in to talk to clients tell them just think of us as a fire extinguisher anytime you have a client that has a fire we're the fire extinguisher you guys call us and they went in, they did that, and it took off like crazy. Again, they went from 2 million in sales to 10 million in one year just because they had this easy pitch. And that's why it's so powerful when you have, you know, a pitch like that, when you structure, you know, the name of your product or how you're going to describe the product, it becomes really powerful. They have this guy. So when we talk about analogies, Paul Tran created an electric razor, a shaver. Uh, and it was for men's private areas. Okay. And he wanted to come up with a name that would not be offensive for people, but people would know what the product does. So he was thinking about it and thinking about it. And he came up with this crazy idea and he said, why don't I call it the lawnmower? It's just like a lawnmower. I <laughs> what a name for a shaver, <laughs> but, uh, it took off like crazy, like gangbusters. And he's become massively wealthy because of his product called the lawnmower. You know, and people laugh when they hear it and then they go home, and they tell their friends about it while they're buying it. And so it's become massively successful. And so that's why, you know, when we understand how powerful uh, brain glue is, how powerful these, uh, these elements are that when right. you can apply it to your product or service or the description of how you're describing your product or service, it actually can take off like crazy, like gangbusters. Right. In fact, there's this woman, this mom, Okay, she's a stay at home mom and she had like two kids, I think, two kids or three kids. And she created a Facebook page and she wanted a Facebook page that would connect with other moms. And so she was thinking, like, what would I call this thing? And she said, well, mommy needs time to herself. You know, mommy needs, you know, some rest. Um, I got it. Mommy needs vodka. You know, she came up with <laughs> this crazy idea. She has 5 million followers. Five million followers because <laughs> she came up with Mommy Needs Vodka. You know, it's such a crazy. I remember I was looking at it. I saw one of the posts she had. And it's okay. Interesting. I went, Mommy Needs Vodka? What? And I went to her website, her Facebook page, clicked on the link, and it took me there. And I see, like, her all the, you know, she's fun. Some other fun things, but not not 10 times funnier than everything else and yet right. she has five million followers and she didn't really have to work at it she just by calling it, you know i mean she has good you know good posts right. but by giving it the name mommy needs vibe you know, it's like the you know like the uh-huh. the lawnmower it's like you know or or like uh you know like it's all these other products uh um it just it's amazing that when so i was uh i i was reading about um carrie smith and carrie smith uh, had a small company, and he had a little bit of money. He was, had an opportunity to buy a company, so he bought a company that makes really big fans. Okay, yeah, and they use it for farms mostly. You know, for cow. If you have a cows in a farm in a barn, you don't want to turn on air conditioning, you know, because it's expensive, et cetera. But uh, you can have a big fan so the, can- the-, the cows don't get like overheated. And so he had uh fans, and one day he came up with this crazy idea. Why don't I call it? Why don't I run an ad saying, "Hey, you want to buy a big ass fan?" Mm-hmm. Okay, just an unusual name. And sales took off like gangbusters. And he went like, whoa, hold on a second. Maybe I should change the name of the company to Big Ass Fans. He did, and Big Ass Fans became a massively successful company. In fact, having the name Big Ass Fans was good because it focused him. He he said that he tried offering other types of products and he realized, no, uh-huh. I'm getting distracted. I need to just focus on this specialty, big ass fans. And I can sell it to manufacturing companies, big plants, and stuff like that, and everything else. He sold, after 15 years, he sold his company. Now, a lot of people, after 15 years, if they're able to get some money for their company, that's lucky, okay? Yeah, I work with true. the US Small Business Administration. We try to help people. After 15 years, he sold his company for $500 million. Wow. that's how powerful brain, the brain glue tools are wow. and all because of the name big ass fans made people want to buy the product and remember it right. you, you know it sticks to the brain so you remember it so yeah quite brain f- glue is, is pretty quite, powerful quite frankly
0: jim when mm-hmm. i first saw the the brain glue glue i, went, I thought well, i gotta get this guy i want to talk to him about it oh <laughs> and i thought You know, I was going to have to buy less Prevagen. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's that's how it went.
1: (laughs) I know. We Uh, need that. I need that too, but that's a whole other story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, uh, tell my listeners where to buy your book, if you would please.
1: Sure. So if you go to braingluebook.com, that'll take you to Amazon, right to the page. And then Amazon lets you look at, so you can look at some of the pages in a book, which is really good. I think it'll be fun and it'll sort of give you a good idea of what it is. There's also an audio book. We have this fabulous uh, narrator. He's better than me. I'm like, blah, 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 But he's a fabulous narrator, Johnny Unitas, okay? <laughs> Just like the football player. But um, uh, but Johnny Unitas does a fabulous job. And there's a sample on BrainGlue. If you go to braingluebook.com, Amazon has a sample of it too. And it's really a funny story. It's got a funny, he's got a funny story there. About uh, a city in Canada that uh, you know most people never heard of. I was in Canada; I never heard of it. When I heard of it, I started laughing. You'll understand why as you hear the story. But it's they came up with such a, a funny or interesting and outrageous in a way a slogan that um, uh, uh, people like Madonna and uh, the Rolling Stones repeated that as a joke inside their. Uh, they, they they actually told the ad they uh, re, uh you know copied the ad they uh to their audiences of thousands and thousands of fans that's right. how funny it was and it actually was so good it actually tripled their tourism you know people didn't hear of it when once they heard of it they went like what <laughs> oh that's really funny let me check out their website and then of course and by the way after like after a few years of doing this where everybody's got t-shirts and and, uh, you know, bumper stickers with the slogan, they right. finally stopped it. And they said, we didn't want to, inf- we didn't realize it was going to offend people. And, yeah, right. You tripled your tourism. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't, you know, it's, it's really funny, but it just, it, it lets people know that. So braingluebook.com is a good way to just at least check it out.
0: Good, good. Jim, I'd like to uh, thank you for coming on the show and explaining this. It's, uh, it's quite uh it's, I'm sitting over here and I've been admiring it already, just looking at and you talking about it.
1: Thank it, you, you so know. much, John. And thank so you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: And uh, for me, um, my listeners, I want to, them to continue listening to um, Searching for Integrity. Uh, so long and happy trails to all. <laughs> <laughs>